0: Disenfranchised from everything.
1: Oh, well, I fall up and I fall down. An American loser the
0: day I was born.
2: Hello and welcome back to another episode of American Loser. We're here at a shared universe studio down in Eatontown, New Jersey. Ming and Zapsic always taking good care of us. Uh, with me, as always, my handsome father, Larry Burke. How are you, sir? Hey, there
1: we go. How yeah. are we doing today? All right. I
2: think we're going good, man. It's, uh, you and me had fun researching this one, so I think it's going to be good. Um, <laughs> behind the ones and twos is always back in his rightful place. Our pal, the big Kahuna. How What's you going on, everybody? There he is. How you
0: everybody doing? I think we're doing good,
2: boy. We missed you, man. It was. Uh, I know. We got a good one here. Uh, my one of my. I'm so excited to bring this guy. In. He's going to be on a couple other episodes too down the road. Uh, I've. I've the guy's been one of my closest friends since freshman year of high school. Oh wow! You might not believe it. He looks good right now. I, <laughs> I,
3: I, <didn't, laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I know that. You guys Two in kids later. together? <laughs> and, uh,
2: at one time, uh, it is hard to believe, but our guest today is my pal Anthony Cianci. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing. Thank it, buddy. you.
4: Thank you. Glad to be here. Are you an avid listener? I am an avid listener. It's like having a fanboy on the show right (laughs) now.
0: (laughs) I will will front. When, When you were in the hallway, you were like... There's a face for Big Kahuna. He's yeah. not just some
4: voice. It was, it was super
0: weird hearing. him like, what? <laughs> like what? wait, that's him. And that's not how I pictured him. Yeah. I did
2: that's love good. it too for our uh, our Facebook Live episode. Um, people did respond wanting to know what the Kahuna looks like. So we've solved that mystery now. It's yes. um, hard good. to believe. At one time, Anthony Seansi and I both wrestled at 171 on the Wayne Valley Wrestling yes. team. So. Wow. And wow. It looks like he's wrestling at 140 right now. Yeah. I look like I've I look like I'm a coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But. Uh, I'm really excited, man. We got a shitload to dive into with this one. We're going to talk about uh, probably – I knew he was going to be interesting. I didn't realize how interesting he was going to be. When you talk about some of the worst presidents ranked historically, okay, there's always the weird stuff like the William Henry Harrison because he was only in office for about 90 days total, right? Um, Then you talk about the great presidents who – the guys who got their faces on money and shit you know what i mean <laughs> and then you got these little weird characters that kind of all fall in line uh somewhere in i guess you'd call them the gilded age presidents and then the the early 1920s presidents but uh, we're going to talk today about warren g harding and what do you know off the top of your head about warren g harding
4: what i know about warren g harding uh i got nothing boardwalk <laughs> <laughs> empire maybe
2: yeah excellent there excellent that's a good grab on that with Cahun. do you know anything about warren g harding nothing nothing
0: nothing oh, absolutely dude. nothing
2: we're gonna walk away from this one with some fucking knowledge then alright this is good
0: and I feel bad cause like I just started Boardwalk Empire 2 uh, so like I think
4: season season 2 is as far as uh, me and my wife have gotten uh, I think he's in season two, so okay. you, you got some ways.
2: Okay, cool. The, they make references to this guy on the show a bunch of times, and a couple of the other weird things he was involved with. So this is actually going to enhance the viewing pleasure of Boardwalk Empire.
1: For you you go. Go. Yeah. Nice. I have a lot of the best. This, com- this is
0: the companion piece. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be. A good one, right? Might have
1: to go for season three. That's. <laughs> we got to go talk to HBO for all these plugs we're giving it.
2: I was going to say, yeah, they're really benefiting off of our our listenership. Um, <laughs> But the question we're going to start with is, well, what makes Warren G. Harding a loser? Uh, And is it because most people don't know, as Kahuna has proven, who the fuck he is? Uh, Is it because he's from Ohio and a lot of losers are from Ohio? Um, Or is it because uh, he's considered one of the worst presidents of all time? Or finally, is it because the G in Warren G. stands for the worst middle name I've ever heard, Gamelial? Warren Gamelial Harding.
1: Yeah. Well – that's, that's a name only a mother could pick. That's <laughs> that's,
0: I'm out. Uh, I've heard worse, but that is pretty bad. Yeah,
2: like when your parents named you Kahuna, how did they feel about that?
0: <laughs> well, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> they were not fans.
2: <laughs> well, uh, weird stuff too is that he, he does have all these weird things about him, but Warren G. is also a pretty historical guy here. He is the first sitting senator to ever be elected president of the United States. He served as the 29th president of the United States and died in office before he could be reelected. They thought he was a shoo-in to be reelected. So he would have had two terms of Warren G. had he had a chance to run. But timing is everything, as we're going to cover here. So uh, born November 2nd, 1865 in Blooming Grove, Ohio. Do we know anybody else with a birthday of November yeah, 2nd, Ed? Yeah, uh,
1: my, uh, my lovely wife is also a November 2nd uh,
2: birthday girl. Well, she is in good company here. Luckily, she was born in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, not in uh, <laughs> Blooming
1: Grove, Ohio. Yeah, but uh,
2: 1865, so that you're talking a Civil War era in uh, Blooming Grove, Ohio. Young Warren was nicknamed Winnie. That's a shitty nickname, is it not, Aunt?
4: Yes, I actually have a college buddy we call Winnie the Pooh. Uh. <laughs> his middle name is Winifred. So. It's just because he never his? had pants on. <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow. we a red shirt.
0: <laughs> you unfortunate bastard. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> well, uh, so Winnie was the oldest of eight children born to uh, George and Phoebe Harding, okay? And his father had a uh, small medical practice in town, and he was highly respected. Um, now, Ohio pretty nice place to be. Uh, the time's kind of a, a weird time because you're up north, you know, because when we talk about this time frame for the Civil War, you're talking mostly about um, the East Coast and then specifically down South, you know, dealing with uh, the Confederacy and whatnot. But I uh, thought this was interesting. It was rumored by enemies of the family, the the Harding family, that uh, Warren's great-grandmother was African. Okay, which was, a, that was like an insult to them back then. So uh, this rumor would haunt him his entire political career and it has persisted until in 2015, Harding's ancestry was tested via, uh, via DNA testing. He was determined to not have any African heritage. So could you imagine in 2015, mind you, in 2015, if the results had come back that Warren G. Harding and not Obama was actually <laughs> the first black president? Imagine telling – imagine the news getting to Obama as he's sitting there you know, in the Oval Office. It's like, oh, by the way, sir, uh, you're now the second African American to ever become right. president. <laughs> We're number two. We're. No- <laughs>
0: Destroy but, those records. Oh man, it would have been,
2: nothing would have made me laugh harder. Um, but did they uh, dig him up
4: in 2015? No, they
2: uh, they tested. That's a good question. Um, they tested his. Uh, well,
4: yeah, that's a good question. His, yeah, his <laughs> ancestors just have you Harding's will. DNA lying yeah. around the White House.
2: Well, they tested it um, through um, his lineage, if you will. So it was that okay. like the people are still alive to this uh, day. Because okay. that's another thing too that is interesting with America is that we do have since there's no king and no royal bloodline, there's a lot of people that are descendants of presidents, which is pretty cool.
0: Sometimes whenever we do talk when on the few occasions we've talked about presidents in on this show, sometimes I'll go on Wikipedia and I'll start to like see how far down the family tree goes. <laughs> like uh the last president we talked about, I forgot the the name, but he has relatives that are still alive.
2: A lot of them do, man, which is it's, it gets even weirder. That's um, crazy. Now if you Google Warren G. Harding, you will look he does have um he looks like Legal Beagle from uh, The Muppets.
3: Oh, no! <laughs>
2: <laughs> he really does. Um, but he's an interesting guy, I man. Harding, uh, as a boy, decided it was time to uh, learn the newspaper business. He learned it uh, by running his father's abolitionist paper. So, abolitionist meaning against slavery. Uh, his father was a, a devout abolitionist, didn't believe in it at all, and had this paper called The Argus that Harding would uh, learn the newspaper business from uh harding would start his own college paper he attended central ohio college of iberia and he had his own college paper that was pretty well known and you went to college did you ever
4: technically yeah <laughs> in between they uh, Florida, I don't yeah. know how much college was getting done
2: in between case races and you know uh yeah. sitting there riding motorcycles around downtown chilling in the back of a pickup truck did you ever think maybe it's time to start your own college newspaper
4: no. <laughs> no. And we used were, to read uh, the college newspaper for the crossword puzzles, and we'd Google everything. See, that's not bad, then. <laughs> well, uh,
2: so now what we're starting to see is that Warren G. has got this background in journalism, which is interesting, because you want to talk about fake news and the lying media and all that stuff. Well, it's uh, it's kind of always been that way, which is even funnier. But Harding loved Ohio, specifically Marion, Ohio, where he spent most of his life. He loves Ohio like Springsteen loves Jersey. Okay? Any chance he can get to squeeze it in, there? oh, I'm a proud Ohio boy. But uh, he purchased a failing newspaper called the Marion Star, and he used the press status that came with owning a newspaper uh, and the free railroad pass that came with it. So if you owned a paper, you remember the free press. So you got access to you know sit ringside at a sports event, something like that. But you also got the railroad pass so that you could cover things. So kind of a cool deal with that. Uh, he takes that railroad pass and heads down in 1884 to the Republican National Convention. And uh, Warren was a staunch Republican, Don't like – to the party line on everything. Uh, and he campaigned for James G. Blaine. All right. Now, uh, listeners of the show might remember James G. Blaine as the man who lost our boy Grover Cleveland, the pride of New Jersey. Jersey, no, <laughs> Grover Cleveland. In his, uh, in his first election because Grover Cleveland served non-consecutive terms as we covered in the first episode of this show. Um, Warren was so annoyed at having to support Cleveland while he was working at another newspaper that he endeavored to make his paper, The Marion Star, which he would own majority of his life. Uh, it, he made sure that it was a nonpartisan paper. So in Ohio, they were mostly Republicans up there in Ohio. Um, but the Republican Party kind of goes through this weird shift at the time. So the Democrats have their paper. The Republicans have their paper. And now Warren G., so fucking smart, he makes his paper nonpartisan. Like, oh, how about I just give you the news? You do what you want right. with
1: it. And pretend what a concept. What a, exactly. <laughs> a straight story. The unbiased story. At least that's the pretend.
2: Well, people loved it. Uh, they They— Response from the readers, uh, it became the most popular paper in the area. It actually put the Republican newspaper out of business because you why? I don't need I don't need rah rah team stuff. I want to know what's actually happening. You know, so it's fun to listen to Michael K call a Yankee game, but sometimes you want to hear from MLB Network. What <laughs> doing. Well so, said, but uh, so he was annoyed by that, um, and and really at the time too, we talk about the free press and everything like that. But these are when you have a team, you're not a reporter, you're a blogger. You know what I mean? So uh, Harding is still, to this day, the only U.S. president with a background in journalism. You want to talk about that for the the lying media? I am the lying media. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, all right. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, And you're a married man. I'm a married man. Okay. Uh, Now, it's always interesting. Did
4: your in-laws, did they like you when you first started coming around? They did. Actually, uh, I won my mother-in-law over fairly quickly. I actually went to, co- uh, to school, to college, with my brother-in-law. That's how me and my wife met at graduation. Uh, true story. Actually, if we want to get into it, I don't want to go too crazy, but uh, I actually slept in her bed before I even knew her. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now that <laughs> one's. I'll leave you with that. <laughs>
1: right. And now for the rest of the story in a future episode.
2: This is what 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 weirds me out here is oh, that I threw to Ant because I thought because I I know Ant I, I I adore his uh, his wife and the kids. He's, I just I love you, buddy. You know that. But I was throwing to you because you'd have a sense of normalcy for me to talk about here, so that we could talk about how <laughs> weird Warren G's thing is. I think you out-weirded Warren
3: King. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, in, uh, in Marion, Ohio, the Kling family was very well known. Uh, Florence Kling was the prized daughter of the powerful Amos Kling. All right, Now, Amos Kling was kind of a... a eh, he was used to getting his way. I'll put it that way. But he was also a regular target of criticism in Harding's own paper, the Marion Stars we talked about.
4: Who is this guy again? Sorry.
2: Uh, Amos Kling. Yeah. So I know we're, we're introducing a lot of okay. characters here. So this is the Kling family. And uh, so Amos Kling, is uh, he's got a little feud going on with Harding. Uh, but his prized daughter, his, his you know favorite kid that he was bringing around with him to his business forever is Florence Kling. Now Florence uh, gets into an argument with her father. And they have a little uh, beef going on because Florence drops out of music school and uh, elopes with a man named uh, Peter DeWolf, I believe was his name. And uh, she elopes and runs off with him against Amos's wishes, comes back a year or two later, uh, alone, no Mr. DeWolf to be found, no husband, but she's got a kid now. So Florence, uh, she was able to work out a deal where her father Amos then provided for the kid but would not provide for her. So she had a little bit of music background and everything from school. So she started teaching piano.
1: So Amos is taking care of the grandchild, but not taking care of his own daughter.
2: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, now – so in order to make ends meet, Florence starts teaching piano. And one of the people she starts teaching piano to is uh, the sister of Warren G. Harding, the owner of the paper who routinely destroys her father. (laughs) So – Kind of interesting thing. So that's a weird one, too, when you start banging your sister's piano teacher. But uh, that's essentially how Warren uh, <laughs> finds the love of his life, if you will. But, Making uh, music together. Hey, well, this enraged Amos, too, uh, Mr. You know, Florence's father, because uh, he actually organized a boycott of Warren's paper. Because, first of all, this is the guy whose papers routinely destroy me. Now you're going to bang my daughter, and they might be African.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, so, he was not a he was not a uh abolitionist by any stretch of the imagination,
2: no. And uh, so they go ahead and they start um, uh, he organizes this boycott, and uh, Warren G, throughout his entire career, is known as uh, they always comment on what a calm and kind of humble man he was. Uh, very calm demeanor. Uh, he responded with uh, to one of Amos's threats of the boycott, "Knock it off, or tell that man I will beat the tar out of him." So, not a guy who. Re- that is the dying ain't much of a living boy from uh, the outlaw yeah. Josie
1: Wales. That's the that's the throwdown yeah. with uh, old Warren G to. Uh... The future father-in-law.
2: Yeah, just letting you know uh, if you want – we can continue on this path, but I plan to remedy it. <laughs> so uh, you make a threat like that to uh, your future father-in-law, you'd think that would be uh, a big problem, right? It kind of ended the issue. You know, No more issues that they're having here. Florence and Warren are now wed July 8th, 1981. Jeez. I'm sorry, 1881. Uh, uh, their marriage bore no children. All right. Um, but Florence did have the child uh, uh, with uh, Mr. DeWolf when she eloped. Uh, Warren admired Florence because she was a pretty smart lady. She knew her shit. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like how you and Mel are a good match. You know what yeah. I mean? Because Mel – like because you know, you'll sit there and you work hard to provide for your family and then Mel will also tell you that maybe you've had enough bourbon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, not, not often enough. <laughs> it's uh, – uh, well, Florence is also a, a pretty uh, st- strong force on her own, right? Too, because I mean, she grew up working with Daddy, uh, with Amos in the newspaper mm-hmm. business. So she knew the ins and outs of the newspaper world, and uh, she was uh, no no uh, cupcake. She was uh, she was a hard charger. Oh, uh, she's. E-
2: only gets more fascinating too, because uh, Warren admired her. She was highly involved in his business and his political dealings as they went on. Do uh, you ever hear of Warren's nickname for her, Dad? Did you pick up on that? Mm, the Duchess, I y- think. right? Yep, he referred to not the Wolf of Wall Street kind. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh God, that little Margot Robbie. Oh boy! Yeah, it's you know you see her in that movie and you're like, there's no way she could get any hotter, you know, with the New York accent. And then you find out she's got an Australian accent. Yeah. And then you're like, oh boy, and that changes yeah. things. But he referred to her as the Duchess, which was based off of a character uh, in a periodical that uh, was kind of a, um, a penny pincher, if you will. You know, a little bit of a hard ass. They watched him like a hawk kind of a thing. Right. One of Florence's quotes I thought was good. And uh, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure everybody – every man's wife has said this at one point or another. He does well when he listens to me and poorly when he does not. So,
1: so straighten out, warm, because I'll tell you how to how to fly here. Uh, she was uh, she was definitely a force to be reckoned with.
4: So did Warren and uh, DeWolf ever see anything down the line?
2: No, uh, DeWolf kind of d- disappears, disappears out of the story, oh, yet, yeah. Which, uh, I mean, that, that wasn't uncommon for the time either right. to, to have a kid. And they're like, oh, well, I don't have to deal with that. So anyway, uh, you can do what you want here, and I'm going to go to Michigan. <laughs> so
3: okay.
2: uh, Warren had a propensity to, uh, we'll call it overworking himself from time to time. And uh, on five separate occasions— during his life, as you and I talked about earlier, Dad, uh, Warren G. Harding was uh, a patient at the Battle Creek Sanitarium.
1: Yeah, no, the Battle the Battle Creek Sanitarium, again, now we're in Michigan, uh, that was like the in-place-to-go. Um, the he's, the he's,
2: Passages Malibu of its time.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So it, it's almost worth getting an addiction just so you can go to uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Passages of Malibu, right? But uh, No, but the Battle Creek Sanitarium was like the in-spot for the hoi polloi, that if you've got any kind of a physical uh, ailment or uh, malady, that uh, you're going to go there. Um, The um, one of the outtakes of that is that the doctor that was running that um, uh, is a guy by the name of Kellogg. Dr. Kellogg. And he was like a uh, a holistic kind of a guy that you know it depends on what your diet is and you, uh,
4: Don't tell me this is the guy with Kellogg's here
1: <laughs> 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 absolutely.
0: We've had, we've had weirder connections. Yeah, that's
1: absolutely. The, guy the we're holistic guy about, came right. out with Kellogg's cereal. He's the guy that came up with cornflakes uh, okay. as uh, something that you should be doing. He also had a lot of uh, what we would now think, well, I would think was kind of wacky that you're going to get um, yogurt enemas to yourself. and uh, So you're going to eat a whole lot of yogurt, but then you're also going to give yourself a, a yogurt you enema. You eat there. yogurt enema, and <laughs> then you got it. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, that's and stuff, electric, electric shock and everything. Else, but uh, yeah, he comes up with the whole cornflakes idea, and then his brother um, wants to uh, put a little sugar on it and and feed it to the masses and make a lot of money. Slap a tiger on it. There you go. And uh, away we went. But uh, yeah, it's just a little interesting little side note. But I thought was interesting too um, uh, Warren G is only 23 years old when he first visits the. to the sanitarium, so I mean, yeah, you don't have to go like, to the sanitarium yeah. at
2: twenty three. Just re, re, you'll get to wait it out till about uh, you know two o'clock in the afternoon. Gatorade and Taco Bell will solve most of your problems.
4: <laughs> right. Did, you, did right. you say what his vice was? Why he was there? Was it?
2: Uh, well, he was. Uh, just this just is a, kind of a funny hard? thing. He was put in for. Um, Nervousness disorder and uh, exhaustion. But exhaustion is the classic rehab line. Like when, uh, whenever they – when, like let's say uh, – It's like the Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, – well, uh, Mike, the situation, when yeah, he went yeah, in, yeah. they were saying it was exhaustion. It's like, no, nah, that dude's on coke. We all <laughs> yeah. know what to do. But could you imagine if you were trying to run for public office today and they were able to point to five separate times that you were uh, put into the care of a, a psychiatric facility? Yeah. so Yeah,
1: five times break. from 1889 to 1901. Mm-hmm. So in a very short span of time, he's there five five, five di- times.
2: And they say that this exhaustion kind of plagued him his whole life, which kind of plays into the uh, the very end of his story, if you will. Um, but uh, did you have anything else on Battle Creek, real quick? Dad? No,
1: that was that was pretty much doc- Dr. John uh, Harvey Kellogg. He was the uh, the originator of. I just looked up, of, uh, just looked up a picture
0: of this place. This is, this is that did not look like a, a health resort or rehab. No, this it wasn't. literally That's looks <laughs> like.
1: They're putting you through your paces
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah, this place looks sketchy. Like this is like House on Haunted Hill
3: type shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God,
2: I can't wait to check that out then. Um, but the uh, so that's the classic kind of rehab lines when they say exhaustion. But uh, during his stays later on in life, um, his wife would take care of the majority of his duties both at the paper and at uh, uh, in his political dealings as well. Now during a trip to D.C., uh, when he was covering it as a member of the press, Harding met and listened to a speech. By a gentleman that will be another episode of this show, William Jennings Bryan, who is known as the great commoner, ran for president like a million times, never won. I mean it was like a Ross Perot kind of a thing. But uh, saw, heard a speech by William Jennings Bryan uh, and immediately began campaigning for his rival, the then governor of his beloved Ohio, president, uh, eventual president, William McKinley. All right? Um, now, McKinley's an interesting guy too because uh, we covered James A. Garfield uh on an episode here and uh he is known as the forgotten assassinated president but mckinley was also assassinated which people didn't realize and um we also covered that uh, mckinley was this is the first time you start seeing um big business uh the jp morgans of the world the rockefellers and the carnegies get together and they kind of make sure that the election goes towards mckinley because william jennings bryan is so uh fearful for how he's going to break down the trusts and everything like that so we'll cover that for another episode here but Uh, Just know that our boy Warren G. is now – he's firmly entrenched as a McKinley guy because, oh, he's a Republican, which Harding would love because he was a Republican. And then also he's from Ohio. So it's like – I mean it's the – win it's like when Bill Parcells, a kid from Jersey, is coaching the Giants. All right? That's a win-win right there.
1: Plus he's also uh, a big business guy rather than the commoner kind of a thing. So he's all about it. Well, so now in uh,
2: 1899 – mckinley officially enters politics goes into the ohio state senate he begins his term there as a relative unknown and ends his time there as possibly the most popular member of the state senate Uh, he was known for a calm and humble demeanor when he would pass people up they just liked him so much that they couldn't even get angry at the ascension of his career if you will and legislators would ask his advice on things he's got no legal background really he's just a guy that a well-tempered dude yeah newspaper man
1: he's a schmoozer
2: it's a (laughs) But um, these were different times too. Back then – and this is a thing that also plagues Warren G. Is that – like you know, when you get a job um, and and there's some benefits that come with the job and then people treat you differently. That's how Warren G. looked at um, bribes, if you will. That, oh, of course these guys are going to take care of me. Of course I should get free railroad passes. I mean why wouldn't I? I mean I'm in the Ohio State Senate. This is what's – so – What was kind of known as patronage back then, where it's like a a perk of the job, would be to get all these free things. People start coming down on them for, uh, oh, well, it's all corrupt. It's all corruption. You've accepted bribes, you know, you do. And it's in, we're just coming off the midterms right now. There was so much corruption stuff going on in the the smear campaigns for everything. But that was how it was looked at back then, was that this was just a a perk of the job. And he would offer free publicity to anybody who gave him free railroad passes. Man, (laughs)
1: love them railroad (laughs) passes. He liked to
2: travel. Yeah. the uh, Now, around this time, he uh, first meets uh, – because you know when you meet somebody and you realize you don't know at the time how integral they're going to be to your story, right? You know, like Anthony Cianci and me wrestle one time freshman year of high school, and I'm like, I'll never wind up down in uh, – you know, down at his family shore house before I get up <laughs> <from> camp. <laughs> you know? But uh, –
1: so this guy uh, – He was just looking for the perk, Ant. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're friends that's with him. That, man, yeah, yeah, he'll yeah. invite you down to his shore house.
4: Uh, there's so many stories from my head right now. But, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all
0: had that one kid who we hung out with because his house was really nice. <laughs> yeah, or he had hot sisters. Sorry. Uh, or,
3: come on, easy. <laughs>
0: um, well, around this time, uh,
2: Warren G. meets a, a fellow by the name of Harry Daugherty, okay, um, who was a lobbyist, a political insider. And uh, you can't see if you're the audio listeners, um, there's no visual this week. But he's a, quote, fixer, a political fixer. We're uh, doing the air quotes. okay. So definitely an he's interesting He's one of guy. those guys. He can, yeah.
1: He can make shit happen and he can cover things up at the same time. Yeah, nothing happens
2: if he doesn't want it to happen kind of a thing. This is why Harding's in Senate? Um, well, he uh, when well, he met him he w, w, at yeah. the Senate, okay. uh, upon first meeting him, Doherty has a, a quote of meeting Warren G. Then just goes uh, – Gee, what a great-looking president that guy would make!
1: Uh, so this is this that. is early on in there Harding's uh, political career. Yeah, though. still, He's at the still in the state senate uh, in Ohio, right. uh, Ohio, po- uh, Ohio politics rather than uh, the national scene just yet,
2: right? And um, which is interesting because you see somebody and you, you tap them for greatness. You know what I mean? Um,
1: but yeah, Harding was always known as a good-looking guy, well-dressed, well-groomed. That uh, um, we'll get into that a little later on too. Uh, uh, as a sign of the times kind of a thing, different things that are happening on the, on the whole uh, scene that would be very conducive to uh, Warren G to, to, ride that as far as he can.
2: He, uh, again, this is a guy that you never hear about when you're, you know, learning history in school, he almost never gets covered. And here he is. The dude's fascinating already, just early life alone. But, uh, now in 19, right, let's do a catch
4: up. Ready? It's <laughs> okay. So Ohio guy, born of eight kids, one of eight siblings, uh, Goes to – buys a newspaper. Newspaper, bangs man, a correct. Bangs his sister piano teacher who already had a baby. <laughs> he's in Senate now. Did I miss anything? That's where we're at. How old right? is he
0: at this point too?
4: Uh, that's
2: a good one. I should do the math on that one. But still relatively young man. He's this is early truies. on here for him. Yeah. But uh, now in 1903, Harding announces he's going to run for governor of his beloved Ohio. And he pretty much got told, no, you're not. <laughs> All right. they didn't think that they were going to be able to win uh, enough of the support for the nomination. So if yeah, they said, the
1: movers and shakers decide that uh, he's really not ready for for the governorship. But because you're still in this idea of
2: bossism at the time too, yeah. where that there were people that were going to call, there were shot callers pretty much, and they told him that uh, you're not running for governor, but we'll let you run as lieutenant governor for somebody else.
0: Lieutenant
2: governor, yeah. So well, it's kind of like vice president, if you will. But
3: okay.
2: um, w- worked out to be a great situation for him because. Uh, As uh, Doherty would point out, that uh, you don't have to do anything as lieutenant governor, but everybody has to know you and kiss your ass a little bit. So Mm. perfect gig for uh, our boy Warren G. Uh, He goes ahead and he – They're grooming him for bigger things. Yeah, they're moving on with that stuff. So uh, now in 1910, he finally is nominated for governor, and uh, the guy running his campaign, Harry Doherty. See how this guy, he's just clinging on to you like a fly on shit? So, uh, But he loses the election. And this is a, the reason why he was losing the election is just to put um, the the zeitgeist of 1910, if you will, is a uh, Republican Ohio is split right now uh, because there is the, the the surge of the Democrats and I mean, the idea of the Great Commoner coming off the ideas of William Jennings Bryan, who never won the presidency but influenced how people ran. Kind of like a you never heard about democratic socialism before Bernie Sanders, and now everybody's trying to echo his other shit too to you know conjure up those votes, but. Um, Anyway, the reason why the Republicans are split right now is because there 's an ongoing feud between Teddy Roosevelt, you know American badass, and uh, William Howard Taft, American fatass
1: <laughs> so big bill
2: yeah well, Roosevelt had tapped Taft as his kind of planned successor that was like you 're going to continue our plan for America, you know where this is the, the swelling nationalism, all that other stuff, and then Taft and him just couldn 't get along after Roosevelt left office. Um, So what winds up happening here is that Harding, in order to try to make a political maneuverability kind of a thing, uh, he jumps onto the, quote, Taft train. So he winds up supporting Taft and even speaks at the Republican National Convention of which he was a chairman on behalf of uh, William Howard Taft. And uh, he tried making things happen but just could not get the Republicans to come together because Harding was a Republican through and through. Uh, Literally, Teddy Roosevelt, when he finds out he's not getting the nomination – for the Republican Party to try to run for president again. He literally says, screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, but, but
2: he goes even a little further. Creates his own party. That's right. So, wow. It reminds me of there was an episode of The Simpsons. King where, Petty. Uh, yeah, very King Petty. <laughs> there was an episode of The Simpsons when uh, Homer decided to run on the keg party platform. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, literally Teddy Roosevelt goes on and creates uh, the – what's the name of the party, Dad? The Bull Moose Party. So it's technically the progressive party, but they call it the bull moose party, and it's his staunch – like literally Roosevelt leaves with his people. So those they decide they're not going to vote um, – uh, th- they won't vote for Taft to toe the party line. They're going to vote for their guy. So what happens is when this, there's infighting like that in the Republican Party, it splits the support. And now the guy who they didn't think was going to be able to win, the Democratic uh, yeah, nominee, it. goes ahead and he takes it. Now, funny story. You want you, We're talking a lot about Ohio here today. You know we're going to sneak in right now? Hey, there's the Jersey Uh, connection. Little Jersey reference here for you. The winner of the presidential election that year uh, due to the split votes from the infighting within the Republican Party is New Jersey Governor Woodrow Wilson wins the presidency. (laughs) Wow, there we go. There you go. Center of the universe here. Center of the shared universe. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, now in 1914 – Harding wins a landslide for the U.S. Senate to represent his beloved Ohio. Uh, this was again orchestrated by his pal Doherty, who told him, "Hey, dude, you got to go run."
1: Daugherty is one one more time. He's the he's the guy that makes uh, he's the kingmaker. They uh, they refer to him
2: as a uh, uh, Mephisto like, which is a, a German demon that's kind of like pulling all the strings behind the scenes for everything evil and uh, you
0: know. Uh, oh, he's Rumpelstiltskin. Essentially, yeah. <laughs>
1: he makes stuff happen. So um, not always on the. On the up and up But you know
0: But he'll he'll get it done Ray Donovan Under the
1: table dealings Or whatever okay. it takes. It's a Ray
0: Donovan it To him You know what yeah. I mean Yeah
2: But uh, Harding um, The quote from Doherty Actually was that uh, He walked in uh, He said uh, Warren was just a, a Turtle Sitting there on a rock Sunning himself All I did was Kick him in the water So
3: <laughs> <laughs> What
0: a quote So
2: Daugherty's a fascinating guy too uh, And we're gonna get more Into him later Which is um, Baffling shit But uh Harding refused to seize the opportunity. In Ohio at the time, there was an anti-Catholic kind of a thing going on, and the guy he was running against was Catholic. So he refused to bash him because he was old friends with the guy he was running against. But the reason why Ohio was starting to have um, this these anti-papist sentiments, if you will, is because there was the idea that Catholics were beholden to a king still. So how can you have democracy in America when you're still swearing allegiance to a king in a pointy hat back in the Vatican? So – A little bit of nervous times here for the Catholics. But uh, Harding wouldn't bash him. He also wouldn't stop people from bashing him either. So Harding was very good at –
1: accepting criticism? He had other people take care of the bashing part. So he still looks like the good guy.
2: It's uh, one of my favorite episodes of Louis is uh, when uh, Dane Cook and him have their sit-down between Louis C.K. and Dane Cook over the uh, allegations of joke thieves. He goes, I never said you stole from me, man. He goes, yeah, but you didn't stop people from saying I stole from (laughs) you. So – Um, Now, here's where some of that political nuance, right? I'm not going to bash my Catholic friend, but I'm also going to make sure that I get all the non-Catholic votes. Uh, Here's his position on suffrage uh, and his position on prohibition. Um, He showed nuance here because his wife definitely wanted to vote. There's no doubt. I think we can all agree on that one. Um, The way that he made uh, his move on that one, he goes, well, I can't support women's suffrage at a national level when we don't do it in Ohio yet. So that's his way of saying, like, ah, we'll get around because he knows by the time it gets enough support to pass, now he can sit there and say that he wasn't a, an opponent
1: of it. Right? He never opposed yeah. it, but he never really was in the forefront of supporting it. Exactly. Either.
2: So, and it's—I uh, I think so too. Uh, the other thing is that, um, you know, if, if you think about it, there's a—you uh, ever get around an Italian woman from New Jersey long enough, and you're like, how do we take your rights
0: away? I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I've oh, dated damn. enough of them.
0: This but, is how the snooky party starts, man. You got ch- to chill with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: the snooky that's genius. That's <laughs> well, um, the way that he handled because now he was a heavy drinker too. Loved his booze. All right. Loved his booze. Loved to uh, uh, smoke cigars, cigarettes, everything he get his hand on. Um, so he goes ahead and he decides that he's going to vote in favor of prohibition, right, which is going to take away the ability to drink alcohol because he knows that it won't get uh, passed. So they won't ratify the bill. So he's like, oh, I can look good by saying this knowing that it's gonna fail. So it's like, it's me sitting there like, oh yeah, I supported my friend to do stand up for the first time. They bombed like assholes, but I get to sit there and say how supportive I am of him. <laughs> so, you're still looking like a good guy, but oh yeah, you get to look like the good dude, but you still get to you know, it's having your cake and eating it too. Except in this instance, now, cake how, is bourbon.
0: Now how drastically does that backfire?
2: Oh, it blows up in is everybody's you it, face. In the ass. You lit? I mean, you're talking about the creation of bootlegging. You're talking about the Volstead Act. You're talking about everything from Boardwalk
1: Empire. Yeah, I and mean, this oh, is the time. God. Right.
0: So. I wonder how differently things would have turned out if he was like, "Nah, like I'm not about this bill." Like, you know what I mean? Well, they
2: say almost nothing changed. Uh, no, no, I don't, I'm not sure anything actually would have changed uh, because all that money just could have been made by the government instead. We opened it up to bootleggers who it was. You know, these people lifted themselves up by their bootstraps, and now you have crime is running big business right. in the country. Now you have
1: so, a major revenue stream uh, supporting
2: crime. You yeah. literally started it. It's it's completely – it's the same thing. There's so many things that echo this too with uh, the marijuana uh, legislation right now that they want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So that's why corporations are kind of running all of the corporate stuff for uh, – the uh, legalization stuff for marijuana is they want to make sure that the business can be implemented where the country makes money off of it, not Anthony Scianti's grow farm that he has downstairs in his basement. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> Well, um, now during this time frame too, uh, they've also uh, had agreed to expand the power of the president during times of war. Uh, he was actually in favor of the Espionage Act of 1917, which essentially was the Patriot Act of its day. So Harding's an interesting guy here because it's like, oh, well, during times of war, the president shouldn't have to. Yeah, I mean, really in
1: 1917, know? we're in the middle of World War One, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, it's a, it's a timely thing. It's a there's a a vast uh, turmoil, if you will, all over the world, not just the United States. Well, I mean, you want to talk about uh, trying to
2: run the country uh, during possibly the craziest time the world has ever seen? Because the modern world happens in the span of World War One. That At the start of World War I, a great podcast I listen to called uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, um, he breaks it down how the start of World War One. you still have like Napoleonic era Uniforms on the battlefield. Horses,
1: swords, right? Right, They're still cavalry. Horses charging uh, machine
2: guns. But you you know what changes that shit real fast? Mustard gas, machine guns, (laughs) uh, tanks, (laughs) airplanes, submarine warfare. I mean, the modern world happens like a bolt of lightning. It just happens. And uh, uh, these guys are trying to sit there and be like, well, how do we advance while also retaining what we have, you know, the, the life we want to get
4: back to. Right?
0: Can you so, imagine that day, like between battles? One day, everyone's fighting with muskets and fucking wearing Napoleon era like garb and shit. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the next day, charge, and they, they just see machine guns and they're like, "What the hell do we do now?" Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's essentially like a revolutionary minutemen attempting to charge the field and realizing that it's just all T-1000s from <laughs> <laughs> <George M>. T one thousands for a so, oh, my
0: God.
2: Well, uh, now in 1920, all right, uh, you got a presidential election coming up. You're out of the war now at this point. It's done, okay? Um, Woodrow Wilson wanted to run again for another term. Did we start but,
4: Prohibition yet, 1920?
1: Uh, right at 1920 D20, is okay. when Prohibition comes in. What's interesting is when the, Holst, the Volstead Act actually started in 1920, but there was already like 20 states that had passed similar legislation at, at a state level prior to the it going national with the Volstead Act but
2: Uh, I do think it's funny that temperance and suffrage are are two words that are interesting so women were largely in favor of temperance which was not drinking alcohol and a lot of them were in favor of suffrage which was giving them the right to vote but just based off of how the words sound if you were told that temperance meant that uh, you were tolerant for women you wanted them to vote uh, and then not having alcohol sounds like suffrage. That sounds like a
3: word. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're gonna suffer. So, yeah, yeah, 1920 is pretty huge because uh, again, that's the first presidential election that we're gonna have the the female vote um, involved okay. with that. It never, you know, that was the first. Well, I've always seen 1920 and, uh, as like the prohibition biggest year is, is in history. coming in. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: No, I'm sorry. It's, no. I've always seen 1920 as just the biggest thing in history. Like a lot of shit just started yeah, in this again, the modern, one year, modern world. It's boom. A flapper, like it's literally jazz, right?
1: and-, and we're just coming. Uh, we're just getting off of the uh, the First World War, and you know how many people had uh, died from that. Um, oh, it, it's it's not a not a good time. I, uh, there's a, a post war depression, so economically. There's a lot of people out of jobs. There's all kinds of strikes going on in the aftermath of the First World War. Um, The wartime boom that was going on collapsed. Uh, Politicians are arguing over peace treaties and the question of America's entry into the League of Nations, which was a a Woodrow Wilson kind of a thing. And uh,
2: we refused to enter.
1: A lot of people – yeah, a lot of people don't want that because we just got embroiled with a a European war – and lost how many American lives over what France and, and Germany and Russia and, and England were and Italy and Austria and Turkey and all these other people that kind of embroiled us into that. So the League of Nations was not a real popular thing. Um, overseas, there's still wars and uh, revolutions going on. The, the Russians, Bolsheviks in Russia. Yeah. yeah, the Russians just went through a, a revolution. Uh at home here in the United States in 1919, the year prior to the 1920 uh, presidential election, there's major strikes in the meatpacking and the steel industry. There's large race riots in Chicago. <laughs> uh, in Chicago, a race riot took place that uh, killed uh, 23 people were killed. So I mean, <laughs> and now in bringing in prohibition, you got your pro drinkers and your your um uh, uh, temperance folks uh, that you hit upon it earlier have too with uh, uh, the hostilities that were still brought to the uh, to the Irish Catholic and now also the Germans uh, you know we just fought a war with the Germans and now it was really a, a German uh, heavy influence in the in the beer uh, mm-hmm. production uh, kind of a thing so, the Irish and the Germans were like anti prohibition um
2: and now also keep in mind, we just got done with a war in Germany, okay, where we were fighting the Germans. The biggest population, the biggest immigrant population to the United States at the time was german
1: right so. right and and uh, with the economy being as bad as it was. Uh, you know, and all these immigrants coming in you now—they're now trying to take my job. There's uh, major labor strikes with the uh, with the railroads, uh, as I say, with the meatpacking. Uh, well,
2: when the Germans would come in, I believe that uh, when they were taking jobs, they started being referred to as Schnitzelbacks. Is that correct, Dad?
1: Schnitzelbacks. Yeah, that's uh, it. that's you, got me, you got me on that. One. Fantastic. Oh, man. <laughs> um,
0: Yo, that was a slow burner of a joke. Oh man. I also loved it. for
2: uh, also for the 1920s, I believe, just to make sure, because uh, my father did do a great job of setting the, the table with that. Um, it is the first time that the the female vote is going to come into play, and one of the first women that was uh, able to vote. Uh, right before she was going to vote, they they said, well, what do you want? Uh, who do you want to win the president? She goes, I don't know. What do you want?
0: <laughs> the <laughs> 20s don't sound all that roaring now that you like the way you described it, too. Like, uh, like I remember in school, like they, they always mean, yeah. they always say like the 20s were the, like, roaring, the, 20s. the roaring 20s, like things yeah. were booming and then. Nineteen twenty—it sounds like shit. It's at its worst. In well,
2: order to boom, you have to you have to bow, if you will. So right. we're gonna the
1: explosion
2: of the nineteen twenties is about to happen. Did you have anything else you want to do to set? The no, table it was just a,
1: your roaring twenties thing is really. Uh, we're a little early for the for okay. twenties. Oh, really get roaring. okay, right, okay. Right. Yeah. We're still getting over the first. I don't world know why. I always just
0: assumed like twenties hit boom, like things were just
1: good. Like
0: they never explained the bow kind of right, to it. Right. But all right. We're, it happens we're fast. The,
1: we're hitting the trough and before we start right, cool. peeking oh, up to it. the Roaring Twenties and then, of course, the Great Depression. S-
4: so what's going on with the men who built America at this time? <laughs>
1: so, I, they're they're going to start playing money. a role here, man. So, are they, they, uh, so
4: they're, they're, they're
2: moving in a shaking? They are. They come okay. into play a little bit uh, later with what happens here because now it's 1920 and uh, Teddy Roosevelt's dead. Woodrow okay. Wilson is not running for another term because uh, they're fearful of his health. Um So Roosevelt's dead, which opens up the nomination wide open for the Republicans because they thought Roosevelt was definitely going to run again. You're going to reunite the Republican Party. Uh, Names uh, being thrown around for the nomination for uh, the Republicans include General Blackjack Pershing, who is a true badass. I mean what an – I can't do an episode of American Loser on him just based out of respect. He's too cool. (laughs) The name alone – Black Jack
1: Pershing. Yeah, well, you know where the uh, little side note. I don't think uh, we spoke of this before, but uh, I just finished reading a book on uh, on Black Jack. He got that nickname Black Jack because he was the leader of the um, the Buffalo uh, Soldiers, the, the all black regiment. No shit. And had white um, white leadership, and he was put in charge of the uh, the Buffalo Soldiers. So when he goes back to West Point to teach, a lot of his uh, compatriots, if you will, give him the nickname. Uh, It was the N-word, Jack Pershing, and then it was (laughs) later kind of
0: reduced down to Yeah, it was PC to become
1: black Jack Pershing because he led led the black troops, yeah. I
2: had no clue on that one. Wow. Um, Other people that are having their names thrown around, eventual President Herbert Hoover and eventual President Calvin Coolidge. So – you got this wide field of nominations here. The dark horse of this one is Warren G. Harding. But uh, guess who he taps as his campaign manager Ant.
4: The, the guy whose name starts with a D. Yep, Darty. <laughs> Darty. Yep.
2: I know you're Italian and these Irish names are hard for you because yeah. there's not enough vowels in it. <laughs> I'm just bad with names. No, nah, don't worry about it. Duh. So D'Arty comes back in as the campaign manager, okay? And uh, his move was to show how respectable of a man Warren G. Harding was – and that you could sell them on this idea of a return to normalcy. Like my dad just said up here, crazy, crazy times heading into the 1920 election. Uh, you want to go back in time if you can but also be a part of the modern world. So the return to normalcy, it really appeals to people. So
1: Yeah, one, one more thing that I didn't point out too is that the year prior to that election, uh, the world went through um, – uh, heavy duty uh, flu epidemic the uh, the spanish flu that uh, millions died uh american soldiers were, were were more were were killed by the uh, the flu epidemic than uh, than, the actual, than actual on the, on the battlefield goddamn yeah. And people Spanish flu. Yeah. And then in in, uh, Bill
2: Cosby have it. No, I'm sorry. Spanish fly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, it was it was some serious stuff. People walking around with masks the whole time because, uh, you know, they had no no way of really uh, overcoming that other than riding it out. Um, The uh, the guy who ran uh, the, the subway system for New York City was asking the various businesses to put. People on staggered shifts, so they wouldn't have the overcrowded subway uh, con- contaminating uh, more people with the with this whole thing. It was it was some scary stuff. Just to even be going out of the house to uh, you know, and then to have, have somebody promise that we're going to return to normal situation where you don't have to worry about
2: a right, world the good war old days. Of, yeah, the good <laughs> old days. A little make America great again type yeah, attitude. You with that go. That's, that was what was appealing for that with people now. Um, Huh. Harding is now in uh, we're approaching the 1920 election here uh, people already know um, for the most part because it, it's not this part doesn't impact the story because we have a ton more we have to talk about but 1920 he's being groomed to be the president he'll be dead within three years okay he dies in 1923 um, but Harding is now he has no clue of this he had some health problems and like that but like we said he drank he smoked he overate he's a big guy um, he wouldn't spring chicken anymore either but, uh, what did him dirty? Uh,
4: in the end, oh, wait till you see, buddy. Uh, now Harding to tries this point, to point, he's not an American loser. There's other yeah, than so a far it's pretty good. Life. Yeah, he's he's yeah, a so politician. Far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. far like, <laughs> like some standards
0: just <laughs> shady shit, but like still, still relatively yeah. everybody
2: likes him. Kind of cool. Not, it's not yeah, it's not what you do, it's how you're remembered. Okay. That's what I'm gonna All right. we'll yeah. tease. So out he's got
1: three now. years to go way downhill. He's a he's a politician, so he's still a lying liar in the lies they tell, but uh, okay. you know uh we're getting All right. We're getting there. All right, all we're right. getting there. When now he gets
2: the shit kicked out of himself in the uh, – he wins Ohio. He wins the primary in Ohio but gets the shit kicked out of himself in Indiana, finishes fourth on the ballot, which is so bad that he attempts to resign over the phone with Doherty. The phone is then grabbed out of his hand by Florence who says, you tell Harry Doherty we're in this to the bitter end until hell freezes over. <laughs> we'll not allow her husband to step down as the candidate here. Now the uh, – as the dark horse candidate – his respectable nature, and like we said, the return enormously was so popular, uh, but it also the big-ticket item for him was a lack of scandal. So there was no scandals you could really put on him. Uh, Except for the black thing. Well, th- there was the, the black thing that was interesting, which uh, comes into play as well, because he, he had plagued him his entire career. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had uh, he had one thing. He had one uh, – when they asked uh, Darius, is there any scandals we have to worry about with this guy? He had one extramarital affair. But that ended abruptly in 1920. So that was like something he was. He had a side piece kind of a thing.
1: He had a little Monica Lewinsky going. He in was for a him. politician. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs>
1: and if he's going home to Florence, who's he obviously did have sex not with that a, woman. Shrinking Violet. That maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, Florence is a ball buster.
2: So it's like you know you want to have uh, you know if that's his business partner more than his wife, then he needs a little. He you know, cheated
0: on the piano teacher. Come on, he man. did.
2: Yeah. Um, Now, uh, through a quick series of great short and fast speeches, which was really well uh, enjoyed by the Chicago crowd at the RNC that year because the heat was absolutely blistering. So if you had a guy come in there and be like, hey, guys, uh," in 30 seconds or less and makes you the sales pitch and leaves, you're like, man, that guy was great. (laughs) They didn't didn't have any time to sit there and realize how hot they were or how much they were sweating through their clothes or anything. (laughs) So this awesome response uh, to the the speeches in uh, the name of uh, Mr. Warren G. Harding. Uh, people thought highly of him, right? So now uh, this leads us into one – this is – darty coins this term, but this is a famous term, and uh, it gets used all the time. It's part of the national canon, if you will, in terms of uh, our dialogue. June 11th into June 12th of that year is known as the Night of the Smoke-Filled Room. So uh, I was talking earlier with you, and uh, Power isn't running for president. Power is running someone for president. Okay. So this room full of, uh, you know, all, all the, the elders, if you like, yeah. 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 right. okay. Yeah, you, uh, you walk in here. It's literally like a poker night that they're deciding who's going to be the next president of the United States. So The
0: actual puppet masters.
2: Exactly. And uh, they're sitting there, and it's, um, uh, the deliberations, they went all night. Uh, they needed a nominee. This is not a joke here. The kingmakers of the Republican Party needed to finish it that night because they didn't have any clean shirts left for their trip. They were out of laundry, <laughs> so this had to be decided. Be nice. <laughs> right. now, there's rumors that Warren had possibly shown up there at one point. Daugherty was definitely in the building on this one. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a uh, a, a powerhouse of pe- you know people and the the kingmakers. Literally, um, did you have anything else on the the Night of smoke rooms, Dad?
1: No, that was it. That, you know, I I found it interesting that that's where that whole uh, phrase was uh, coined. Really, it was in in the. Uh, Republican nomination, uh, well, uh, with Mister Doherty,
2: yeah, and uh, and like we said, now uh, Doherty gets to sell uh, Warren G. Harding as this this clean candidate that there's it's going to be scandal free for the most part. Everybody loves him. You just got to get to know yeah, him. He's a
1: good guy. Yeah. Everybody likes him. He's a good looking guy. He's well groomed, uh, well thought of, uh, you know. And there's uh, no skeletons in his closet that we really know of. So. Uh, Let's go for it.
2: Which was beautiful. So now in order to do that – because sometimes when you have the fractures within the parties, you've got to throw an establishment guy with a Maverick or a Maverick with an establishment guy. You know what I mean? Try or to... a goose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, a top gun re- – our first top gun reference here. Yeah. That was well played. Um, but they go ahead and they decide to throw in a, a crowd favorite, the uh, governor of Massachusetts, Calvin Coolidge. Cool cow. One of the greatest presidents of all time is now the vice president. To one of the worst presidents of all time <laughs> Just to show you the duality of the office But uh, Coolidge was very popular um, Because of how he handled the Boston police strike When he was the governor um, So he goes, to, what you got, Cajuns?
0: I just found the wildest A second Jersey connection Hit me So, uh, Warren had no, had the affair, right? Yes The daughter was born in our own local Asbury Park. No uh, shit. That's yeah. right. Why, oh, my go. God. And
2: wait till you see what they do with that on Boardwalk Empire, Kahuna. Wait, oh boy. what? Oh, boy. That uh, I'll, that I'll, plays yeah. into
0: Boardwalk Empire? <laughs> don't, be,
2: don't be a spoiler. But a yeah, I think that's yeah. season three. She yeah. makes an appearance. I'll put it Get that way.
0: Get the fuck out of here. Uh, yeah. All right, all right.
2: S- solid Jersey connection, though. Um, now, they go ahead and they, they give the nomination to uh, Warren G. Harding. Um, but it, it's very funny, too, because Harding refused to campaign. Um, He decides he's going to run like his buddy McKinley, the the former governor of Ohio, who was the president and assassinated that he campaigned for. Uh, He has his front porch remodeled to resemble McKinley's and then runs a very similar campaign of a front porch style, which means that he doesn't come to you. You come to him. So that's like if Kahuna was running for president and you only did interviews. Yeah, you only did (laughs) interviews at a shared universe network. So they have to come to you. You're on your turf, man. You can, you want to walk right. outside and go speak to the delegates? Right. You go do it, man.
1: So. I heard reports that uh, his front lawn had to be uh, ripped up and they put gravel down because every you know all the newspaper men and everybody that was coming to uh, see him uh, during his campaign, if you will, uh, just. Completely destroyed the front yard, so they, they put gravel. It's, it's a Jersey Shore thing. Yeah, too, they right? look like he's from yeah. Tom's River to now. Just put gravel there. Larry, you want
0: to be my running mate?
2: You do need a respectable man. Uh, I'm not That's sure why I want to go him. check
1: for skeletons in That's the closet. A, yeah.
2: Well, um, where it gets even more interesting now is that uh, the people that he's running against, you now have um, – Uh, Coolidge who would go on to become one of the best presidents Uh, You got Warren G. Harding Who's uh, now running here as well An Ohio guy Now who he's running against The Democratic nominee is James M. Cox And his vice president You want to take a wild stab man? Cox's Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt is dead Okay So guess who might be running as the vice president To Cox Yes Balls Close, <laughs> very close, uh, Mr. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So, FDR oh, is go. running as the VP now. So you got a lot of big heads all you know, kind of smashing into each other here in this 1920 election. Uh, Cox and FDR run all over the country, campaign endlessly, um, and uh, our boy Warren G. just kind of gets like, "Yeah, I'm just going to stay here in Ohio. Yeah, I'm sitting on the front porch,
4: and he, I, the whole campaign.
2: Yep." Didn't really go anywhere. The only person who toured around a little bit was Coolidge did the uh, – short up the East Coast votes because he was a popular Massachusetts guy. And he also did a little bit of time down south or whatever. Cool down? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what was interesting is that this election actually offered little real choice. I mean these candidates are essentially – both were newspapermen, Cox and McKinley, from Ohio. So it's two Ohio guys with no, edit, Co- editor
1: yeah. backgrounds. Coolidge. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Coolidge, I'm sorry, Cox. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, the, he's the sitting <laughs> governor. He's the sitting governor of Ohio. Yes, and Harding is the sitting senator from Ohio. Right. So they're both and they're both newspaper guys. So uh, now they're both that, and then also
2: they're essentially both fiscal conservatives, right? Who are begrudging progressives, if you will. So it's not these are kind of the, you're getting the same thing no matter who really wins this election. But uh, Harding now wins in a landslide. Okay, landslide election. 60% of the vote goes to Warren G. Harding, all right? 37% of the vote goes to Cox. 3% of the vote goes to Eugene Debs, a socialist who ran from prison. (laughs) Okay, Debs is a fascinating guy too. I do want to do an episode on him down the road so I won't focus too much there. But 3% of the vote went to a guy campaigning from prison. So can you imagine the travel bills for Cox when he's going all around the country with FDR – and then you realize that uh, you lost to the dude who didn't leave Ohio, didn't right. leave his front porch. And then a guy who campaigned from prison did pretty good.
1: He <laughs> got a nod anyhow. So. Yeah, I think that was the largest uh, um, popular vote margin landslide. uh <laughs> in all presidential election history
2: at that point yeah Yeah, at that point well again this return to normalcy he's campaigning on pretty good sounding
1: everybody likes it so
2: welcome to president warren g that's warren g harding not warren g the hip-hop artist uh he wins the presidency all right he doesn't campaign at all wins the presidency first thing he does going on vacation goes down to texas plays a lot of golf which he enjoyed uh Made a lot of good cabinet positions. Uh, uh, Mr. Mellon was brought in um, uh, of the Carnegie Mellon fame. Okay, so you want to talk about the men who built America. Mellon was one of the richest men in the entire country at this time. He's now a member of Warren G.'s cabinet. Um, Coolidge, obviously, in as the vice president. Herbert Hoover was brought in. He was going to be the secretary of state, so he was dealing with a lot of the international affairs. Because, again, you have a fractured Germany at this time. Uh, you got the Russian Bolsheviks trying to figure out what the hell to do with all of them. The start of the USSR is happening. Crazy, crazy time to be involved in international politics. And the U.S. is on its rise to becoming you know, one the, the great world, world the superpower that it is. Um, so now, uh, the other thing that he, he decides to put in his attorney general, Mr. Daugherty, comes back in yet again. <laughs> Campaign manager <laughs> has made his attorney general. Highly criticized, all right, but everyone knew exactly why he needed him around. It sure. was. Uh, okay well we don't really need an attorney general but i do need him i, I need this He's guy to the be able guy to that got yeah.
1: me here so i need a parking he, he space he up front yeah so. you're
2: just gonna see him roaming around well uh now harding oddly very popular with uh, a lot of black americans too and for the weirdest reason why first of all there's the allegations that he might be uh of some african descent so there is the idea that he could be the first black president um again later disproved but uh He also was in favor of what is considered a racist practice uh, of literacy tests at the polls, okay, that that was done – some people felt in order to make sure that blacks couldn't vote because if you can't read and write your name, why should you be able to vote? That was the theory at the time Uh, and it was done to suppress black voters. Uh, Warren G., highly in favor of literacy tests – but the reason it made him so popular with black Americans is because he said, I think everybody should be taking literacy tests. Not just don't, – don't just make it for just the uh, you know uh, the black uh, – essentially right. you know uh, descendants of slaves. Take it for everyone. Yeah, right. make it for everybody. And if you want to shut like a dumb redneck up real quick – and they're coming over here. Oh, you got to take <laughs> a they're test. They're coming
0: it. over <laughs> here. They're going to take over here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, mister? Sign Come on name. over. Mm. Why don't you do a literacy test?
2: <laughs> it, I think you would probably have about 8 percent of the population would be able to vote <laughs> yeah, if you and the, and
1: the literacy tests they were giving only to the uh, black voters prior to that. Yes, um, the vast majority of the of the general public would not be able to pass. I mean, they deliberately made it so that you're not going to be able to pass that literacy test.
2: Who was the president of the giving,
1: And and the previous president Woodrow Wilson was certainly not uh, pro-black. Uh, he insisted on keeping uh, the army troops segregated. Against Black Jack Pershing's uh, wishes, who was the commander, in, not the commander in chief, but the the head of all the U.S. forces in Europe during the First World War. So, yeah, he he uh, he made some friends there.
2: So a, a pretty progressive move at the time here too, which is uh, which is cool on that one. But now, uh, despite a little bit of economic turbulence, uh, Harding was considered a shoo-in for re-election in 1923. Wins in 1920, right? 1924, he's going to go ahead and uh, uh, he, he, the, he's assumed. That he's going to easily, easily win his reelection here. Now, uh, some historians believe that he knew that he might not have been long for this world. We talked about how I already spoiled it that he's going to die in office, right? He dies in 1923. Uh, But some historians believe that he probably knew that he wasn't long for the world because he ate and he drank, he smoked so much. But in 1923, he sells his paper, the Marion Star and ensures that a large estate would be left behind for his family. old penny-pinching Florence was involved with that shit. Yeah, Excellent. I'll have
1: a little more on that uh, as we as we progress here, Well, as uh, far as selling the paper. Uh, I want to talk
2: about that real quick, too, because uh, his mental and his physical health uh, continue to be worrisome to those close to him, but it was hidden from the papers. They were always talking about how, uh, oh, yeah, he's just uh, he's recovering. You know what I mean? No, oh, don't worry about it. He's, he's sick right now, but he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, different so, times, too, so. though. I mean, when FDR was president... Uh, He was never really photographed uh, in a wheelchair (laughs) After he uh, was succumbed to uh, the polio kind of a thing So it it was a different kind of uh, um, a media at that time I
2: didn't like FDR, he never stood for the national anthem (laughs) 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 Talk to me about the the selling of the Marion Star, please, LP Uh,
1: Well, later on, once some of these uh, scandals started to hit um, We'll we'll get to it a little bit later on, but... uh, um, he sold the paper for what a lot of people felt was a, he got a lot more money for the paper than what it was really worth but we'll, still
2: just an Ohio paper uh, it was still but just you're buying Ohio the paper. president's just paper, the paper right? yeah. that's right. an interesting one there uh, Harding goes on what is called the uh, voyage of understanding which um, w- w- kind of an interesting move they wanted to reduce his schedule because he was not doing well physically um, he did have a history of mental exhaustion if you will So, they decide they're going to cut back on his stuff. So, he's going to travel, which is a good way to build up press and start your reelection process, while also uh, giving you a reduced schedule to try to get over your shit. Uh, Harding becomes the first sitting president to visit Alaska. All right. So, he visits Alaska for the first time, speaks there. He even says, I I expect statehood for this territory. How's
0: he traveling? Is he by, driving a train across? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From all those train. years of building up uh, those tracks? Segway train scooter, passes. actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, car. no. It's actually the hoverboard. <laughs> <It's> a, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, Harding also visits. Uh, he's the first uh, sitting president to travel to Canada as well. So uh, he's now uh, uh, showing a broad, uh, you know, he's doing a little bit of foreign policy if he will always over there. Like we said, the travel is supposed to be a laid back schedule, and it was not. This was uh, a big trip here. Um, now, in San Francisco, on July 27th, 1923, Harding calls for his doctor in the middle of the night claiming uh, he was having heart problems, couldn't really breathe. Uh, Now, they say that he probably did have heart problems to begin with, had that whole history of uh, mental exhaustion, physical ailments, and he never fully recovered from pneumonia that he had had uh, earlier in the year. So he's now sitting there uh, and Florence comes to him in San Francisco in his hotel room and uh, reads to him uh, a flattering article from the Saturday Evening Post, which was like the big paper of the time. Uh, the article is literally called A Calm Review of a Calm Man, all right? And the president's last words were while Florence was fluffing his pillow while reading him an article about how great of a guy he is. That's good, Florence. Read some more. That's his last words. Fucking dies. Doesn't even hear the end of his own story. But Damn. Warren G. Harding, the 29th president of the United States, is now dead from a heart attack at age 57. Uh, the funeral is massively attended. Uh, crowds along the railroad track, bringing uh, his body back west. People would just want to see the train that's carrying the president. I mean, they're turning out in the thousands here. The coverage would be nonstop. If there was a CNN or a Fox News back in the day, they would have the train cam, they'd have a helicopter flying. <clears> uh, <throat> uh, they'd have a little graph showing what the, the, what path the train's gonna be on, which is essentially just a railroad. <laughs> but <laughs> um, now this is the part I was excited about. Uh, Ant, you're a big car guy, right? You've been a big car guy. as so, Yeah, as long as I've known you, you've been a big car guy. Um, this was the big kid, uh, the, the excited kid on Christmas uh, moment that I was happy to tell you about. The attendees of his funeral included uh, current president, Calvin Coolidge, who, by the way, was sworn into office by his father. Um, Herbert Hoover, who would go on to become uh, another president. Uh, Thomas Alva Edison, the creator of the electric chair, a nice West Orange boy, <laughs> has covered in another and episode. And the light bulb. A right. um, fellow by the name of Henry Ford there you go who was a good friend (coughs) and uh, another attendee of the funeral Harvey Firestone so Firestone Ford Edison Hoover Coolidge this is a who's who of uh, 1923 all in attendance for uh, our friend Warren G. the fallen president the nation mourns All right, but like we were saying the president was loved in life but it's not about how you were it's about how you're remembered so when people talk about they always say too if you go back through history they always say this is the worst if it wasn't your president you would say, this is the worst president of all time, and then you would start remembering him more fondly, right? Like all the, uh, the Democrats that talk about how much they hate Trump right now are like, man, W. Bush was great. Yeah. I was like, I watched you hang him in effigy.
4: Picture yeah. with right. Michelle Obama. Yeah. Like, Aren't they cute? He's like, what?
2: So uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder uh, in most cases. Now, in this case, a lot of shit that was kind of kept quiet starts coming out into the open here. Um, the corrupt members of uh, his cabinet, of which there were many, not all members were corrupt, but there were many corrupt members of his cabinet who uh, started being referred to as the Ohio gang, all right? And they hung out in an infamous little place that all the Washington, D.C. insiders knew as the little house on K Street, which was essentially where they'd have those night of uh, smoke-filled room, right, for the yeah. RNC uh, back in Chicago. These guys were essentially all of his cabinet members getting together, Uh, Playing poker and figuring out how they're going to rip off the country.
1: So basically, that's it. Yeah. Imagine
2: that podcast. I would listen
1: to that podcast.
0: How are we going to screw the middle class? (laughs) (laughs) Pass the poker chips.
2: They, they literally that's That's what it was. Now they fall into a couple of scandals. There's a Veterans Bureau scandal that's interesting. Uh, This is all stemming from that little house on K Street with their poker nights. Um, Now the most infamous scandal that's going to come to light here for Warren G Harding is something known as Teapot Dome. Dad, what the fuck is Teapot Dome?
1: (laughs) Teapot Dome, uh, there was a guy that was appointed um, Albert Fall, Albert Fall, uh, in the Teapot Dome scandal. Now, Albert Fall was part of um, Harding's uh, cabinet, if you will, and uh, he goes on to become the first American in history uh, to be uh, serving time for his involvement with the Teapot Dome scandal. Sounds like he might have been the Fall guy. But we had to work on that. But yeah, what a but name he was the first for... American to be convicted of a felony committed while holding a cabinet post. Um, fall is the U.S. Secretary of the Interior. Through maneuverings, Harding takes um, away these um, oil right holdings. Oil rights were very important to the to the Navy because the U.S. Navy was in the in the transitional period of moving everything from coal-fired um, um, ships to go oil oil um, driven.
2: Just to give it a, a sense of uh, the current state, too, we're also now moving more towards because uh, they they went to gas propulsion when I was in the Navy. Uh, majority of the ships moving forward are now going to be nuclear powered.
1: Nuclear, yeah. right? So a mm-hmm. better, better, better energy source with oil as opposed to what was coal. Um, this guy Fall is now the secretary of the interior, and through some maneuverings, these um, oil rights called Teapot Dome in Wyoming, and there was other oil rights or oil reserves um, in California. He arranges to have these now going under the um, auspices of the interior rather than the Navy. And he sells off these rights. And the chief um, – It's like buyer, selling a main, car you don't own. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and the biggest guy that was, was buying these, uh, these oil rights um, was a guy by the name of Harry Sinclair. Yeah, that's Sinclair. Sinclair Oil. Um, Sinclair um, buys these rights from Fall through some maneuverings, and it was later found out that um, Sinclair paid Fall like $300,000 worth of um, um, securities, um, unsecured, lo- it's quote unquote, loans that he, he was given. Huge vast tracts of property and livestock in his, uh, his private residence in, uh, I believe it was New Mexico. Anyhow, the long and the short of this is, is that Sinclair now owns what he thinks are the oil rights that is this area called Teapot Dome, which is a huge oil reserve. Um, they start um, drilling out there with these scandalous dealings in the background. And then um, somebody notices that there's Sinclair um, oil trucks or oil equipment that's out at this teapot dome. And word comes back um, to fall that, like, hey, there's somebody else working one, this oil field that I was supposed to – Sinclair was supposed to be the guy that had the exclusive rights to this teapot dome. There's another guy that's already out there drilling before Sinclair even shows up, a guy by the name of Colonel James G. Harden uh, – Darden. Um, fall goes nuts because Sinclair is going nuts, and I, I thought I had the exclusive deal on this. So
2: now you're taking a car you don't own, and you're selling it to someone, but another dude's driving
1: it. Well, another another guy is is holding the title, if you will. That uh. Uh, so it's the same property that was sold twice, uh, unscrupulously. So
2: we've actually overbooked this flight. If anyone would care to be bumped for a future, <laughs> there you go. There or Delta you go. Airlines.
0: If you raise your hand, you'll be given a voucher.
1: Yeah. um, Fall now goes to Harding and saying, we got a problem here because this guy Darden is out on the Teapot Dome uh, oil fields. And he's drilling and Sinclair is pissed off and, you know, everybody's at, at one another. And Fall... All right, catch this now. Fall, the Secretary of the Interior is asking the President of the United States to send in the Marines <laughs> to push uh, Darden off the oil fields that he thinks he owns exclusively. Only it was exclusive to somebody else besides. So
2: this reminds of- me of an episode of Cops where a woman came up to an officer and said, "Hey, that person just robbed me." And he said, uh, "They go over. To, is it true that you robbed this woman?" "Yeah, man." She was buying crack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So you're stealing the stuff that I already stole. Um, So anyhow, Fall is like really getting all nervous and jerky here because, uh, you know, this whole thing is blown up in his face. And this whole um, teapot dome thing uh, was – agreed to, if you will, by Harding. But I don't think really Harding had an idea of really how, how deeply involved this thing was really going.
2: They do say he most likely did not know exactly how nefarious the little house on K Street was uh, making things happen. Right. So it's almost like the Iran-Contra thing with Reagan that Reagan really didn't know a lot of the shit that was going on in his own building. But um, yeah, so Harding's not necessarily complicit with all this but he certainly knows some shits. up.
1: He knows that what's going on is not on the on the total up and up. And I think it was kind of like I really don't want to know that. Uh, you know, if I don't know, I can't be pinned to it. But at the same time, he's he's definitely involved.
2: Uh, Hoover had a quote in his biography of a discussion with Harding where they were talking. He said uh, Harding asked Hoover, "What would you do if you knew that there was a uh, uh, conspiracy or corruption going on within your administration?" And Hoover said. Well, I probably confront it and then get the integrity points from the public for trying to have a uh, you know uh, to handle business the right way, you know, d- rather than suppress it and kind of lie about it. And, anything. and um, then uh, Harding's kind of like nodding, he goes, he goes, okay," and he goes, uh, uh, "Hoover asks, goes, does this involve Dougherty?" And the conversation ended <laughs> right. abruptly. Right. So he right. definitely knew something was up. But continue, sir.
1: Yeah, I mean, it w- Harding was. Um was quoted by a newspaper editor at the time. He says, I have no trouble with my enemies. I can take care of my enemies all right. But my damn friends, my goddamn friends, <laughs> they're the ones who keep me walking the floors at night. Jeez. <laughs> so I was like, holy crap. Yo. You know, all, all these uh, Ohio boys, um, uh, they're the Ohio gang, they're the ones that are, are keeping me awake at night. Um, Yeah, and and Harding um, did speak to Hoover about that while he was on that four-day boat voyage to Alaska. So this Um, is where the term
0: thrown under the bus comes from. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If you knew of a great scandal in your administration, he's asking Hoover, if you knew of a great scandal. So catch this now. you got the president of the United States asking his vice president for advice. He said, if you knew of a great scandal in our administration, would you for the good of the country and the party expose it publicly or would you bury it? Hoover said he advised the President to expose it, but Harding declined, fearing pol- political repercussions. Harding himself had personally approved the false plan to lease the oil reserves, although he may not have paid much attention about what, what was approved, you know what was really going to go, what were the repercussions beyond that? Um, Harding may have also benefited from the dealings um, in his cross-country trip. Harding accepted the uh, high offer. Uh, this is where I was alluding to before Harding accepted an extremely high offer to buy the Marion star his his old newspaper in a deal that some believe was orchestrated by sinclair Sinclair being the guy that bought the rights to the uh, teapot dome oil fields so, again all, all
2: patronage, not bribery
1: right patronage, right, right. so I <laughs> paid an exorbitant amount of money for your newspaper. It was just because I really think you 're a good guy. Um, The president uh, and his wife, uh, Florence, uh, also told friends about how they had this uh, year-long, all-expenses-paid cruise around the world that they had planned to take, along with 50 of their friends once Harding was out of office, right? So they're they're already making plans for this around-the-world cruise. And once Harding's four-year term was over, the cruise had likely been promised by Sinclair, who was to take place on Sinclair's l- luxury yacht. So, Jesus. you know, it's uh, was he involved uh, directly well, maybe not directly, but you know, old Warren G was going to be taken care of uh, if this, he if this the deal, benefits. right, if this if this deal went through. Um
2: now, I do want to get into the aftermath of this as well here because we're uh, we're coming up on bonus time. Yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> uh, oh uh, well, there's also because uh, I didn't quite understand this uh, fully myself, but the uh, Bureau of Veterans Affairs, which uh, you know the VA, which uh, I use for my personal care because I'm a veteran and uh, I'm very grateful for that because they, I, I broke my uh, ankle, they covered it. I uh, tore my ACL, they covered it. I mean, every dumb thing I've done, thank God, I had the VA backing me up on that one, but. Relatively new institution around the time of Harding.
1: Right. It was during, uh, it was during Harding's uh, administration that there was the a – The birth uh, of the VA. The, the Veterans Bureau. So right. – It wasn't the a VA scandal. just yet, but it was the forerunner to the VA, the N- Veterans Bureau. Now,
2: what's the scandal involving Harding with that? Because uh, that's another one that comes
1: up a lot. There's a guy, uh, 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 an acquaintance of Harding, uh, Colonel Charles Charles R. Forbes – Um, of Forbes magazine fame, correct? uh, That I'm not sure. (laughs) It's not not that. I I was going to say that. They're not all connected. What's his name? It's not all that neat. Forbes. spelt the same way, but uh, I don't think there's a connection there.
0: But what's his actual, like,
1: what's his first name? Charles R. Forbes.
0: Charles R. Forbes. Let's see if you're affiliated.
1: Uh, He's not, I know.
0: Uh, um, damn! I really wanted it to be. <laughs> uh,
1: it was revealed later on that you know, Forbes is put in charge of this newly created uh, Veterans Bureau, and it was revealed later that Forbes entered into corrupt arrangements with a number of contractors, particularly with those involved in operations of the hospitals for the for the veterans, and he sold government property at a fraction of its value. Um, uh, the, uh, you don't care
2: about profit when you're not
1: experiencing yeah. losses. So he sold the government property at a fraction of its value. So if you didn't pay anything for it and you're selling it you know, even at a discount, you're still making some bucks on it if you didn't have to pay for it originally. Uh, Charles F. Kramer, an attorney for the for the Bureau, committed suicide. Uh, which brought increased So that's Kramer attention. committing suicide, correct? Because suicide starts popping up a lot towards yeah, the end of this story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people are either offing themselves or just going away mysteriously. It's like how
2: the Clintons only surround themselves with depressed people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which brought <laughs> – Oh, my God. That was grim for uh, you. <laughs> oh, the text messages <laughs> we're going to get. <laughs> Have uh, you gotten
0: any backlash from anything you said on here yet?
1: Which brought increased attention to the agency, and then uh, Forbes resigned his position and then did a skedaddle. He fled to Europe. In 1923, Forbes is out. He's gone. He just takes off for, for Europe, and there is some speculation that uh, old Warren G. told him basically uh, get out of here before uh, you know, they come arrest you. A Senate investigation a year later in 1924 found that Forbes had looted more than $200 million from the government. Jeez. And, and it was in, subsequently indicted for bribery and corruption, and was brought back for trial in 1925. He was convicted, fined ten thousand dollars, and That's sentenced ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, two hundred. That's the crime I want to commit, and sentenced <laughs> to two years in leavenworth. So you got to ask My yourself, Anne, would you two years would you do 200 200 years in, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> and then I got to spend ten grand. Yeah. So it's, it's like that game
2: that uh, that dudes always play at uh, you know two o'clock in the morning after a party it's like, like would you would you suck a dick for two
3: 200- <laughs> years
1: you know, no I'd no. run away from one for two years yeah. Yeah. I, I would do two years on that one so. yeah and going back to your uh, to your um, a lot of people often themselves too I mean um, it was you know he, this guy Forbes is now accused of uh, selling illegal stuff Old Attorney General Darty discloses to Harding that, hey, Forbes is dirty. He's, he's selling stuff out of the v, uh, Veterans Bureau. Uh, he's selling medical supplies and, and property and everything else. Um, Harding allowed him to leave the country to escape prosecution. And shortly thereafter, Charles Kramer, general counsel to the Veterans Bureau, commits suicide. And then 10 weeks later, uh, Jesse Smith... Darty's private secretary, right? <laughs> so the private secretary to the attorney general. She also he also commits uh, suicide one day after a long conversation with Harding in the White House, and uh, rumors have been circulating that Smith and a group known as the rest of the Ohio gang have been profiting from a variety of corrupt operations. It just wasn't in the VA or in the uh, um, the inter- uh, office, of the secretary of the Interior. I mean, is there's. There's dirt all over the place that Mr. Harding is trying to uh, keep under wraps, which is,
0: in your opinion, is this like one of the biggest like corruption cases of the of that time, or even times now compared, or like
1: well like at scale at wise? The, at the time, it's what was going on. The general public really didn't get oh, no. a full whiff of what was going on but yeah I mean it was it was from top to bottom for it, sure it
4: was getting all dug up
2: after wow. he died or yeah, yeah so okay. he, he dies one like of the like most popular men yeah, yeah. in America and then they find because it, it the shit just hits the fan over and over and over again now that's just the corruption stuff there that's his cabinet that's them killing people Yeah, you know, okay. a lot of weird st- stuff going on there now we're going to end on some of the juicy stuff here <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, When he passed away, now his 15-year affair, that one extramarital affair that he admitted to having – It was 15 years? It was a 15-year affair with a Miss Carrie Fulton Phillips, which just sounds hot. Um, It came to light uh, with uh, that going on there. Now her correspondence with Warren ended abruptly in 1920. So he's like, for the good of the country and the presidency, I'm going to give up my side piece. Um, The correspondence that he has with her, she kept – and it was sent to the Warren G. Harding Museum in uh, Ohio. Uh, so it's, it's love letters back and forth between him and her uh, plans. Are, and the estate did not want to have it because they're like, we, we've, we're railroading this guy now. He had a little bit of integrity. Let's not put his dick pics up in the museum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's hard out here his, yeah. for a bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think you're going to find the way. blue dress in the uh, Clinton <laughs> Museum. No, I was going <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, now, so that one was real. This one has never been truly confirmed, but a woman named Nan Britton. Uh, who is also from uh, Marion, Ohio.
4: Wait, so nothing juicy out of her letters That's a, to call
2: out? Or? Well, I, I wonder. I don't even know what they, okay. uh, they really what read they said. It. They uh, just didn't
4: want to hang him up in his museum?
2: Now, this woman gives you everything you could ever want uh, and more. Nan Britton from Marion, Ohio, claims that uh, uh, Warren fathered her daughter, okay, and that uh, the daughter was conceived during their ongoing affair, which gets mentioned a little bit on uh, Boardwalk Empire Season 3. Um, she writes a an account... Uh, very stormy Daniels-esque of her uh, romps with the president, and how she claims that Secret Service used to be uh, pretty much stationed outside of the closet door to keep people away while Warren G. Harding and her were going at it in the closet. I'm, I'm, the I'm looking
0: up this, this stuff, some of this stuff as we go, and the first article that pops up for this is Warren G. America's horniest president.
2: <laughs> he uh, he definitely now. This was getting passed around like almost like porn. It's essentially her account of it is – it's less um, Stormy Daniels' testimony and more um, – Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, uh, penthouse newsletter kind of a thing. Oh, God. So um, now it was really more so good gossip. Uh, It was very National Enquirer of her. Um,
4: All after he's dead.
2: Yeah, and they thought that this was interesting, that it was such a big scandal that uh, Nan Britton would have uh, been with the president because Grover Cleveland – who was already the president, literally fathered a child out of wedlock, and it was national news. So Warren G. just kind of gets railroaded here at this point. Now, um, Coolidge, uh, who took over as president, refused to dedicate Harding's tomb, Okay, which uh, was back in Ohio, because he needed to separate himself in order to regain the confidence of the people. Calvin Coolidge, president uh, only for one term. He won the election, and then he uh, went, moved on from there. He got everything he wanted done in the four years that he was out. Uh, fun trivia note about Calvin Coolidge. Didn't really talk much. Very quiet guy. Uh, invited a bunch of you know, relatively famous people over the White House for dinner. And one of the women who was, uh, I believe, she was an actress of some sort. She sat next to him at dinner, and she said, uh, "I have a bet going with my friends that you're, you because know, he was his nickname was Silent Cal." And uh, she said to him, he "Goes, uh, I have a bet going with uh, uh, my friends that tonight I can get you to say uh, uh, three words or more during dinner. Uh, what do you think about that, Mr. President?" And Coolidge responded with, uh, "You lose." <laughs> Went right back to eating dinner and didn't say another fucking word it. So now here's where it gets even goofier. There is no autopsy done on Warren G. Harding at the time. Cabinet members are committing suicide left and right. He's making big money moves to sell his newspaper, secure his family's future. No one really knows what the exact deal was on that. There's still there's the idea that maybe Daugherty could have been involved in some way, shape, or form. Was there outside sources going on for was it really a heart attack or was there some sort of, you know, other stuff going play. on there? Well, um, Mr. Daugherty was never charged with any of the corruption – I'm sorry, he was never convicted of any of the charges he was brought, uh, uh, that were brought against him uh, for his involvement with the said corruption. So Daugherty gets away clean. Warren G is dead. His secretary that knew everything commits suicide. Um, you know, people are leaving the country. Albert Fall, like we said, goes on to be the first former cabinet member uh, to serve prison time. Uh, and that's just – I mean this is – we talked about the modern world to wrap up here. The modern world happens almost overnight with World War I. Before this, politics was like, oh, those are good guys. You know what I mean? Oh, they're just doing their thing. You know what I mean? They're campaigning. They're just like us. They want to represent us. Now you've got the modern world. Boom. Happens overnight, like we said. And now Warren G. Harding, all this accusations of corruption, now the newspapers running wild with it because now everybody knows everything here. So Warren G. Harding dies a hero, a beloved member of the country, want to be you – know, th- in his mind probably thought, maybe they'll put me on money one day. <laughs> And uh, now we remember him as possibly the worst president to ever hold the office. Um, do you guys have anything else uh, you want to say on the way out? or?
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, can, you where, know. where do you think he ranks now?
2: He is ranked uh, towards the bottom. That's what most historians would agree on with him.
0: I'm talking That's, our our ranking uh, system. <laughs> our <laughs> ranking
2: rank, Um. That one gets weird there because uh, he definitely – if he had gotten the second term, all these allegations and corruption would have came out during that. We could have seen another Nixon. He could have been Nixon before Nixon, which would have been interesting because Teapot, Dome, all this other shit, it came to light. He only got away with not having it uh, – you know, charges brought against him because the motherfucker
1: was dead. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. but Why but, go after the guy that's already dead? He it, paid the supreme su- sacrifice. His death it was – like you said, Kev, was never – there was never an autopsy. But you got to believe that with all of this shit that's swirling around him, you know, he's, he's trying to he's trying to be the puppet master. And and that quote from from earlier about you know I don't have a problem with my enemies; it's my friends that I have a problem with. Yeah, that, uh, he knew. He he knew he had to he had to have known. And, and and just trying to deal with all of that, and and, and dealing with uh, the misses and all these plans. If if that whole world tour thing was. Uh, was valid you know that like holy crap if we can survive this yeah we'll go on a world tour but uh that's that's gotta put a a real hurting on a guy that wasn't uh a well guy to begin with i mean if you're going to the uh the um the sanitarium a little r&r when you're 23 years old and now he's he he died he was what 57 when he died that uh you got to believe that that was just a, a whole stress induced kind of a thing. That oh my god!
2: I can't imagine it. And it's a uh, it, he's a fascinating character. I enjoyed reading uh, up on this one. Like we said, he does get mentioned in season three of Boardwalk Empire. There is a bunch of stuff that falls out. Ohio's still pretty proud of this guy because. Um, Ohio's also proud of LeBron James, who's left them twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ohio, not really much to right. root for there on a professional level. But, he's uh, a
1: criminal, but he's our criminal. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
3: but
2: don't get me wrong. am more the same way over here in Jersey. But uh, uh, real quick, just wrapping up here, uh, I want to say thank you to my good buddy, Anthony Cianci, for coming on the show. But thank you for doing this. Thanks for listening. Uh, I want to bring um, you and your father on for another episode down the road here. Yeah, when, fantastic. When LP goes on his sabbatical.
4: Yeah, Florida <laughs> time.
2: So thank you for coming on. Yeah,
4: thanks way. for having me, man. This has uh, been awesome. Not
2: easy day, brother. It's and, uh, awesome, awesome. I want to say thank you to Ming and Zapsick for uh, letting us use the Shared Universe Studio. I uh, absolutely love it here, man. Thank you to the Kahuna behind the ones and twos, buddy. You took good care of us today as always. And uh, real quick, uh, Dad, I want to say uh, thank you for uh, getting me into history. I love you, dude. Uh, this is a good one here. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, people really like it. We're enjoying it. We're not sure – we don't want to monetize preemptively and start charging a dollar for a show. We don't want to do a Patreon just yet. We're trying to figure this thing out. The best thing you guys can do to help us right now is if you leave us a review on iTunes, if you subscribe to the uh, uh, iTunes or uh, uh, the SoundCloud account, uh, leaving us reviews really helps us out. It pushes us up in the rankings. Share the podcast. If you know anybody who's into podcasts, just let them know about the show. I think we're charming, all right? I think we're fucking charming.
4: <laughs> it's a shame they can't see how good-looking we are. Either. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, subscribe. Uh,
2: every Tuesday we're putting out new episodes for Tuesday, Lose Day. So this one's going to be coming out uh, that coming Tuesday. So the shows that I have right now are already going to be done by that point. But uh, if you check me out on uh, social media at, uh, at Burke sucks at Twitter and Instagram, way more fun on Instagram, uh, KP Burke on Facebook, and uh, kpburkcomic.com is officially launched. My website is there. The links to American Loser are also available on that, uh, the website. Again, please help us out here, guys. It's, we're having a blast doing this. We want to continue to grow the show. And I uh, want to say thank you really quick to our international listeners. Uh, we have listeners in Germany, the UK, Australia, uh, Spain, and as of today, uh, Dora Noragato to our listeners in <laughs> Japan. So,
4: that's that's so you're that, saying international Uh, people are listening to an American Loser podcast yeah they're probably hoping it's uh, (laughs) (laughs) what is this shit I didn't sign up for this yeah
2: they don't know the the flag waving kind of (laughs) they're
0: like oh we like Big Kahuna's voice we'll listen
2: (laughs) It's uh, but that being said guys I think we're going to wrap this one up man thank you again Uh, my name is KP Burke and this was Warren G. Harding American Loser
0: an American loser the day I was born American Loser, the day I was born. American Loser, the day I was born.